Well, good morning, Mount Joy. How are we doing this morning? You know, I was reflecting this week uh, just on, it's really amazing to live in a state that we have four seasons now. In Florida, we just have one season hot. Uh, and so here, it feels great. Um, though this week, I will say, there was one point where I looked at Becca and I was like, I feel like we're in Florida again. Like, it's hot. <laughs> uh, but it's been, it's been awesome and uh, looking forward to summer and all summer has. Uh, you know, this week I'm excited. Uh, we finish this series, You Won't Believe, and week number five, um, such powerful messages from all the different speakers. You know, I think to week one with Pastor Carl and talk on, uh, he spoke uh, specifically on after the resurrection and, and the power that happened after the resurrection. And I love Bishop Keefe's message on Saul to Paul. I think that's such a powerful story on the road to Damascus. And Pastor Jeremy, the last two weeks, speaking on the woman caught in adultery and Jesus healing the blind man. And so many of these stories of just, wow, like, God, you are amazing. Like, you won't believe. And, uh, you know, as we were preparing for this series, I I told Jeremy, um, I just love the title um, because if I'm being honest, I've been a sucker for clickbait before, right? Like, you'll see a video, like, maybe on Facebook or YouTube, and, like, the clip art looks really different, and then you actually watch the video, and it has nothing to do with the clip art. Uh, Been a sucker for that many times. And so uh, I love love the you won't believe stories found in the Bible. And so today I want to preach from a story in 2 Kings, kind of an unusual story. Um, about two months ago, uh, through just some spending time with the Lord in devotions, um, I came across this story in 2 Kings 6, and I honestly, I've never looked at this story the way the Lord showed me that morning. He, as I began to read the story, it's a, it's a powerful miracle by the prophet but what the Lord showed me through this story, uh, I, I believe, has the ability to impact um, people who are listening today. And so uh, let's go ahead and read this together. Second Kings chapter 6, verse 1. The company of the prophets said to Elijah, look, the place where we meet with you is too small for us. Verse 2, let us go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole and let us build a place there for us to meet. And he said, go. In verse 3, then one of them said, won't you please come with your servants? I will, Elijah replied. And he went with them. They went to the Jordan and began to cut down trees. As one of them was cutting down a tree with the iron axe head, fell into the water, and he said, oh no, my Lord, he cried out. It was borrowed. Verse 6, the man of God asked, where did it fall? When he showed him the place, Elijah cut a stick and threw it there and made the iron float. Lift it out, he said. Then the men reached his hand and took it. You know, it was such a kind of unusual story, right? Very short narrative. Basically, to, to kind of give you a summary of what's happening, the prophets realize that their uh, place of meeting, right, for today's standards, it would be like a church is too small, and they realize that they need a bigger place to meet. And so they decide to go down to the Jordan. They cut down some trees. This young prophet, as he's cutting down a tree, uh, realizes that his axe head just flew off and went into the stream, into the water. And I, I love his response. He says, oh no, it's borrowed, my Lord. Such a like weird phrase. Like what? Like, isn't this your own axe? And but it's not, it was borrowed. And then so Elijah replies, show me where, and he grabs a stick, throws in the water, and the iron flows, right? It's a miracle, it's amazing. Um, And what the Lord showed me through this story is that 
each one of us have gifting that the Lord has given us. We have assignments that the Lord has given us. But more importantly, God wants to anoint our life. And so for today's illustration, we're going to be referring back to this axe head. He wants to sharpen our axe head with his anointing. And so we're going to break down this story, but let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you, Jesus, that your word goes forth. It heals. It restores. Lord, thank you so much for the you won't believe stories. God, the stories that are to come, the stories that are here in our midst. Lord, I pray that as, uh, as we preach and as we listen to your word today, that it would move more than just our mind, but it would move our heart. That your anointing would come Father, for those maybe gathered here today who don't know their gifting, who don't know their anointing, God, I pray that today there would be an anointing that would break chains, that would break bondage, God, that would separate the sin in our life and that would heal us. Holy Spirit, would you make us aware, available, and obedient to your call? In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. When I was younger, um, I had this, this kind of moment in my life, I think I was seven, and my mom used to clean uh, houses and uh, like medical offices for a living, and, and so one day uh, I, I went with her, and the chiropractor of the office uh, had asked my mom to take care of her fish, and she had tropical fish in, in this beautiful fish tank in the lobby. Um, and so one of them was a very expensive fish. It was called an Oscar. I don't know if you've ever heard of an Oscar, but they're very beautiful uh, fish. And so she had asked my mom, hey, would you take care of this as I'm away? And so my mom agreed and said yes. And how many of you have ever had, like, maybe someone has asked you to take care of something? Maybe something's been lent to you? And it doesn't go the way you expect it to go. And so my mom, she, uh, she was cleaning in the back office. And I had noticed that, uh, now, now keep in mind, I'm seven in this story, okay? Some of you are going to judge me after this story. Uh, but I noticed that there was algae in the tank. And so being like a kid, I realized like, oh, well, maybe it's not good to have algae. I need to go clean it. So how would you clean a fish tank? Well, you would drain the water, take the fish out, wash it. Being a seven-year-old, I didn't do any of that. Instead, I ran to the bathroom and began to fill cups with soap. And I ran back to the fish tank, dumping soap into the water, right? So I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be great. The fish is going to get a bath. The tank is going to be clean. And so I'm just dumping soap right and left. And so like an hour later, bubbles are coming over the tank, right? Like everything in the tank, by the way, is dead at this point, right? So my mom comes in and she's like, what, what have you done? And I said, well, I thought like we needed to clean the tank. Like, I, like she had asked us to like, she lent us this tank, we're going to clean it. And she's like, yeah, you got to take the stuff out. You have to drain it. And so there's the Oscar, poor little guy, floating belly up in the air at the top of the surface. And so my mom scoops him out and she's trying her best to resuscitate a fish, which I don't even know how you do. Um, and, and so like, she's crying. She's like praying over the fish. I'm like, okay, mom, come on. Like it's a fish. Little did I know that little fish was like a $400 fish, right? So there's some investment. Um, and so the, the chiropractor comes back and um, I'm thinking, oh man, like my mom, she's, we're done. Like this is over. Number one, we're never asked to take care of pets again. Like, that's just a, 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 you know, thing. And then more importantly than that, she might lose the job. And I just remember, like, the chiropractor being so gracious. And she said, listen, we all make mistakes. It's okay. You're going to be 
okay. And, you know, I, I tell that story because I think sometimes in our life, when it comes to the gifting God has given us or his anointing, sometimes we don't tap fully into those things. And in fact, sometimes we allow those things to kind of lay dormant in our life. And instead of pressing in and saying, Lord, would you reveal the gifting you've given in my life? Would you anoint the gift on my life? We just kind of coast through life. And when I thought about this story, there were some takeaways that, um, that, that came to mind when I was uh, reading this story and the Holy Spirit was kind of revealing things to me. Uh, number one is that the gift and anointing are from God, but both are on borrowed time. Meaning that uh, the gift and anointing, there's, there's, and let me clarify gift and anointing. Gift, I believe, according to scripture, Jesus ascended, and when he did, he, he set captives free, and it says that he gave good gifts to men. And so those gifts could be um, gifts given through the Holy Spirit. It could be spiritual gifts. It could be maybe you're naturally gifted as a musician. Maybe you're naturally gifted as a communicator. These are gifts that the Lord would never take back. And then there's the anointing. And according to scripture, specifically we see with Saul and in the Old Testament, King Saul, that um, there came a point where he sacrificed wrongly and the Lord took his anointing as king away and gave it to David. So we know that the anointing can be, um, it can be uh, stifled, it can be taken. Uh, the anointing always accomplishes the will of God and I believe that is the axe, head, uh, axe edge of our life. Number three, the gift inspires, but the anointing breaks heavy yoke. I've been in church services before, um, and if I was to name the pastor, you would know exactly who they are. Really talented, gifted people. I mean, like, the gift is there, it's powerful, it's moving people's emotions, but I could sense in my spirit that it did nothing in the spirit. I could sense that there wasn't heavy chains and yokes being released, that yes, it was a powerful, moving message that maybe moved human intellect, but it did nothing to move the Spirit's heart. And so the, the anointing uh, breaks the heavy yoke. We realize that Jesus anoints us to be able to break the yoke of the enemy. Number four, the gift cannot be taken back, but the anointing can be quenched or diminished in our life. And so if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. My one and only point today is, is simply this. When we yield our life to the purposes of God, we are anointed to accomplish his work. When we yield our life to the purposes of God, we are anointed to accomplish his work. And so for the next few moments, I want to look at how can we sharpen our axe edge. You know, I brought um, this, this little axe with me. It's a baby axe. Some of you might not be able to see it, so there's a picture on the screen. But this little guy has come in handy so many times for me. I, I like to go backpacking and camping. And um, this axe has been used to chop wood. It's been used to clear brush. In fact, recently uh, I, I was trout fishing in the area, and I came to an area that was just really overgrown. And this little axe came in handy as I was making my way through um, but how many know that this axe requires something? It requires to be sharpened, right? If I just went the rest of my life with never sharpening, eventually this axe head is going to be dull and it's not going to be really worth much, right? And so when I read the story with the prophet, the prophet goes and he's chopping the wood. And, and as he's chopping the wood, it says that his axe head falls into the water. And so kind of just natural thinking here is, wow, maybe the axe head wasn't sharp. 
maybe, just maybe he was chopping the wood. He was on the right assignment. He was doing what the Holy Spirit had asked him to do, but his axe head was not sharp. And, and you know, when I think about our life, there's, there's moments where I think we, we are on the right assignment. We're using our gifting in the right way, but maybe we haven't allowed Jesus to sharpen the edge of our axe. Maybe the anointing on our life needs to be intensified to a greater degree. And so number one, if you're taking notes, just write this down, is discern your season. I love this, that the company of prophets, they discern their season was up in their current meeting space, and so they moved to a greater meeting space to build, to expand. The Bible says in 2 Kings 6, 1 through 2, it says, the company of prophets said to Elijah, look, the place where we meet with you is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole and let us build a place for us to meet. And he said, go. The prophets discerned their season. My question for us, for me, for you in this place and for those tuning in online is, have we discerned the season that we're in? Because each one of us is going to have a different season and each one of us is going to have a different assignment. You don't need to be a pastor to have a season or an assignment. The Bible says uh, in the end of Matthew that Jesus commissioned the disciples, but he commissioned everyone that would call upon his name. So all of us in this room are commissioned to go, but before we go, we need to discern. You know, the season in Florida that we had was beautiful. Um, When I started full-time ministry, uh, I, I started with a, a youth ministry at the church I was at. We had 10 students, and we really felt passionate that we just needed to pour our life into those 10 students. And so for two years, we just invested time and time, and, and, and these students, like they, we could just see like their faith growing. And year number two was a real big turning point. Our youth ministry went from 10 kids to 50 kids, and then into the hundreds, and it was powerful what God was doing. Weekly student worship services, we had student leadership. God was moving at a really rapid pace. And then one day, um, the Lord really spoke to one of our leaders and, and said that though we have grown, God wants to do something new and different. And so we started doing this thing, we called it Prayers from the Loft, and we had this loft at the church, and so every Wednesday um, night, we would, uh, after youth, we would gather and we would pray together, and we would press into what God was doing, and we would ask for, God, what is this next season? What's the new assignment you want to do? And through one of our leaders, the Lord had spoken and said, I want to do something to be able to reach the students in this county. And so we did a demographic research study and we realized that in the city we lived in, there was 41,000 students. And after doing the math with the churches uh, in the area, we realized that uh, out of those 41,000, maybe, just maybe, only 3,000 knew Jesus. So there was a lot of unreached students. And so through uh, just some vision casting, prophetic words being released, we realized that we wanted to start something to be able to reach these students. And so a campaign launch called Reach 41. And Reach 41 was this shirt, and on the front it said, Make Jesus Famous, and on the back it said, For the City. And this little shirt that started off in our youth group grew to multiple youth groups to where uh, multiple high schools and football teams and basketball teams were wearing this shirt. And soon, like, youth groups began to explode and attendance began to explode and students were asking questions. And it was amazing. We had discerned the season was shifting. We shifted our focus. And because of it, the Lord multiplied. 
And fast forward a couple years later, the Lord said, it's time for you to lay down Reach 41 to begin a new season. And at the time, I said, Lord, like, are you kidding me? Like, we launched this powerful thing that's reaching students all across our city. And so we laid it down. And wouldn't you know, in the laying down of it, that the Lord even outgrew that to something that now is called citywide worship. And citywide worship is this beautiful expression of the church in Ocala where uh, about 30 churches gathered together, thousands of students, multiple worship teams to worship and glorify Jesus. Thousands of students have come to know Jesus because of it. But if our leaders that night wouldn't have discerned that a new season was upon us, I can't say that that same result would have happened. It's so important that we discern the season that we're in. You know, the sons of Issachar in the Old Testament, were, were, they were anointed with this gifting to be able to discern the times and seasons. And can I just say, like, the Lord wants his body today, the church globally, to be able to discern the season that we're in. Number two, if you're taking notes, is allow Jesus to reveal and sharpen your assignment. Bruce Walke, a brilliant theologian, he talks about um, Elijah and the prophets here, and he often refers to Elijah as a form of Christ in the Old Testament. And uh, and so as I reread this story, knowing that knowledge, I realized that the young prophet, when he loses his axe um, head, he goes to the source. He doesn't try to find it on his own. He doesn't try to make something happen, he goes to the source. He goes to Elijah, and Elijah performs this miracle to bring the axe head out of the water. And when I was thinking about that, I thought, how many times do we go to Jesus to refine our life? How many times do we go before him and say, Jesus, I'm stuck right now. I Maybe my, my life feels dull. I need you to sharpen my blade so that I will be effective again. I feel like sometimes we just, man, we, we don't go to the source. Instead, we try to come up with stuff on our own. We say, well, I'm stuck, so I'm going to maybe try to gain some worldly wisdom, or I'm going to try to do this in my own flesh. And sometimes there's nothing wrong with that. Maybe God wants you to go to someone else and, and get some strategy. But can I just say our first response when God is shifting assignments or realigning our life should be to go to his presence? Our first response to, should, should be to dive deep into his presence to reveal um, our next assignment. The anointing is attached to God, and so when we get close to him, he reveals our assignment. Can I just say, like, if you want more anointing on your life, if you want Jesus to use your life in a profound way, get close to Jesus. Get close to Jesus. Allow him to begin to redeem areas in your life that maybe are broken, that God wants to use for his glory. You know, I was talking to a friend. I had met this friend via Instagram, and I really admired his passion for purity. And so when we started talking and sharing our stories with each other, we realized that both of us had a story with kind of pornography and immorality, and that God had redeemed that and, and given us this you know, new assignment. And he said, man, you won't believe that when I got closer to Jesus, he began to purify areas in my life. But more importantly, he began to amplify the anointing on my life that people noticed. 
people noticed the purity that he was pouring out on my life so that men and women were coming and asking, how can I get free? The anointing is attached to God, and when we get close to him, he reveals our assignment. You know, it took me years to realize, as a kid, I was terrified of public speaking. Like, if you were to say I would be a pastor today when I was like 10, I would have just laughed at you. I would have been like, no way. Terrified of public speaking. Didn't ever want to do it. Didn't think I was a good leader. And then Jesus rescues me at 18. I turn my life around and slowly but surely he begins to amplify his presence on my life. And I realized that God had actually anointed me and gifted me to, to exhort, to preach his word. But in the last couple of years, I really feel like um, as, as great as those gifts are, that God has really anointed my life to restore things that are broken. Over the last couple of years, I've really dived deep into this idea that God wants to, to specifically, with my life, wants to use my life as a way to reach people who are broken, who would never probably step into church, but they would totally share their story, maybe at a coffee shop or at a restaurant, and through that process, God would redeem their life. And you know, when we left the church in Florida, we, we had discerned the season was shifting. We knew something was shifting. And then we began to ask God, reveal our assignment. And, it, and through a year process of working at a hotel and uh, starting a nonprofit and doing all kinds of stuff, God revealed our next assignment, which was to come here to Mount Joy Mennonite. And I really do believe, we've already seen it in student ministry here, that God is sending people who are broken, students who are broken, to receive hope again, to receive love again, to, uh, to receive forgiveness and to restore them. And so we just need to allow Jesus to reveal and sharpen our assignment. And lastly, number three, if you're taking notes, is allow the prophetic to shape your edge. Allow the prophetic to shape your edge. You know, the word prophetic, um, and I'm going to invite the worship team to come up, such a misused word in the body of Christ. I grew up in a, in a semi-Pentecostal Baptistish church, like I don't know, Bapticostal, whatever you want to call it. Um, and so uh, I, I grew up in a church where the gifts were kind of misused, not used in a great way. And oftentimes the prophetic would get a bad name. And I, you know, I remember um, there was a turning point in my life. I remember being 17 and saying to myself, because I had seen so much abuse with spiritual gifts and uh, prophetic ministry, that um, I, had, I had made this kind of thing in my heart that said that, that thing, the prophetic ministry, the gifting of God, the spiritual gifts, those things died with the apostles. And I had convinced myself of this. And then one day God through miraculous way, showed himself to me in a very prophetic way. And through that prophetic way, I realized that his spirit is very much alive today and that there's movements in the earth that are very prophetic and doing amazing things. And so my definition for the prophetic is just real simple. It's what Jesus is doing in the earth. It's what Jesus is doing. Do you realize that beyond Mount Joy, Jesus is doing so many amazing things in the earth right now and that if we would tap into those streams of the prophetic, that he would even allow us to get glimpses for what he wants to do here in our city, here in our church. Our anointing edge is directly connected 
to our prophetic assignment in the earth. And so if our edge is dull, it's most likely because our prophetic awareness is dull. Right, and I know that might be a little difficult to hear, but it was difficult for me to hear that my edge was dull. I kind of was grieved by it, and then I realized that Jesus didn't just want to leave me in that place of dullness, that he actually wanted to sharpen my life to be effective again. Can I just encourage you, like, the prophetic is not weird. Um, I, I used to say this to our church in Florida, like, it's time that we reclaim the prophetic and make it cool again. Right? It's time that people understand that God wants to release spiritual things to his church, not to weird people out, but to be a sign and a wonder for people who are yet to come. People are tired of academia preaching. They want preaching that moves the heart, that breaks chains, that when preaching goes forth, people are healed, demons are cast out. Listen, people want preaching that moves hearts. I've been in academia preaching, and there's nothing wrong with learning about God, but can I just say there is something special about a message that doesn't just move the mind, but moves the heart, and moves the heart to action to say, I'm laying my life down. You know, when I was hearing all these sermons the last couple weeks, my heart kind of went out because I realized there's some of us gathered here or gathered online that might say, man, like, I I hear you, like, Jesus heals a blind man and he heals this adulterous woman, but surely he can't do that through my life. Surely he can't do that. And I said, man, like, there's some of us gathered here today, maybe we've convinced ourselves out of our assignment and out of our gifting. Maybe we feel like we're just not gifted enough. Can I just say, listen, you'll never be gifted enough. Like, Jesus chose the most ragtag group of disciples to change the world. He chose the most broken people that would become world changers and history makers. And can I just say for us church today, like, God wants to realign our life to get back onto his purposes, to reveal our prophetic assignment. Even today, I would encourage you throughout the day, throughout the weekend, maybe tomorrow, get in the word, but more importantly, get in your prayer closet. Say, Jesus, I need to know my assignment. I need to know the new season I'm in. I'm tired of being in a lazy boy, just kind of going through life. I want to be risky. I want to take adventures with you, Jesus. 1 Corinthians 2, 4, love Paul's response. He says, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power. We need more power preaching today. Not just, let me get goosebumps on my arm, but we need preaching that moves the heart. That when people are sick in our body, we say, no, sickness can't be here. Jesus, we're gonna pray healing over that person. We're gonna ask Jesus that you do a miracle that seems crazy in the natural, but so possible in the supernatural. Would you stand to your feet? year number four of my ministry in Florida, um, I had a mentor of mine, uh, Edwin Ortiz, who has since went on to be with the Lord. I remember one night uh, I was getting ready to preach and Edwin came up behind me and kind of grabbed me by the shoulders, startled me. And he turned me around and he said, "Uh, Josh, the enemy wants to silence your voice. And I think that he's already in a way convinced you that your voice is gonna be silenced. 
but I'm here to tell you that the power of God is gonna rebuke the enemy and that your voice will be amplified. Tears just like streaming down my face. I said, man, you wouldn't believe. Like I wanted to give up. I was over it. I was over ministry. We were seeing amazing things happen, but I was just over it because I had convinced myself of the assignment of the enemy rather than the assignment of the Lord. And he prayed over me, and I'll never forget the prayer he prayed. He said, Jesus, reveal your power in a tangible way that makes him remember his voice. And from that day on, um, my prophetic edge has just been God. Um, the Lord works through my life through a series of kind of crazy ways. He sometimes gives me words of discernment or um, words of knowledge. And since that day, I've not allowed the enemy to silence my voice. Can I just say, maybe there's some of you today or someone here, the, the enemy has tried to silence your voice. And the Lord says to you today, it's time to stop listening to the accuser and start listening to the Savior. It's time to press into what Jesus wants to do in your life so that your life in turn will be a you won't believe moment. You won't believe that they were just coasting by. Maybe there's some of you today, you've been following Jesus 80 plus years and you're just like, oh, cool, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Like I've done my work. Can I just say God still wants to use your life? That until we go on to eternity, God wants to use your life in such profound ways. Maybe it's to disciple students or kids. Maybe it's to go on the streets and preach the gospel. Maybe it's to reach a family member who could never be reached, but they would listen to you. God wants to use your life. He wants to sharpen your edge today. Let's pray. I want to pray two prayers today. The first one is for those in the room who... Maybe you just want to reignite, you want to rekindle the fire that you once had. Maybe as you were listening to this message, it, it moves something in you to say, man, I, I just need to be close to Jesus. I need that fire to burn bright. If that's you, I'm just going to say, man, receive it. He's here. Receive the anointing of God. Father, I pray right now over every individual right now that you would ignite a fire in their heart that wouldn't go out, that wouldn't be contained. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that the anointing of God would fall in this room right now, that sickness has to go, that sin has to flee. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would anoint people with the gospel, with, with works, Jesus, that there would be such an evidence on our life that people would take notice. Holy Spirit, stir a fire in us. We need you. We can't do it in our own flesh, God, because when we do, we mess it up. So Father, would you anoint us? I pray right now that even you would reveal gifting in this room. God, if there's individuals who don't know their assignment or gifting, that right now in Jesus' name, that gifting and assignment would be revealed. Second prayer I want to pray, really felt this heavy on my heart last night as I was praying for this morning that um, maybe there's individuals in here that don't know Jesus yet, don't have personal relationship. Following Jesus is the greatest thing that you'll ever do with your life. It's the most rewarding thing. It's the most hope-filled thing. Yes, there's going to be days that are challenging and hard, but even on those days, he gives you strength. And so if that's you this morning, I'm not going to ask you to do anything weird, lift your hand. I'm just going to say wherever you're at, 
you're viewing this online, that you would just say, Jesus, I need you. I'm broken. I've sinned. I need you, Jesus. Father, I pray right now that salvation would come in this room. That those viewing online even right now, salvation would come. Father, you came to seek and save those who are lost. And so would you right now seek and save those who need a touch of heaven. Jesus, we love you so much. And we thank you for all you're doing in in and through our life and our church. Holy Spirit, anoint us. Give us assignment. In Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Let us worship together.